For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Mike Sando about the ever-changing quarterback carousel in the NFL offseason, maybe more so than ever. We're seeing big-name quarterbacks move teams. We're seeing Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks retire. We're also seeing teams with young quarterbacks looking to move on to maybe something bigger and brighter, especially Deshaun Watson, who is tied to as many as 10 teams across the NFL after saying he may want out of Houston. All stuff we can talk about with Mike Sando, who joins me next. It's Friday. January 22nd. It is always fun when we can talk quarterbacks with Mike Sando. He's kind of our quarterback whisperer here in the update. You can follow him, of course, all season long here on The Athletic. Mike, it's great to have you back, man. How are you? Good. Good to be here. A lot of quarterback stuff going on, too. Yeah, when you hit the offseason, I mean, do you feel like quarterbacks now, like there's more of this conversation of guys changing teams or, or switching organizations, more big-name players, it feels like, at the forefront of this free agency or trade market stuff every offseason? Yeah, it does. It really does. Certainly last year was weird with Tom Brady, you know, changing teams. There were even whispers about Aaron Rodgers after they drafted a quarterback. Philip Rivers changed. You know, I think last year to have actual big name guys change teams, you know, really established Hall of Famer and Brady, potential Hall of Famer and Rivers was different. And this situation with Deshaun Watson, these types of things come up, but it's it's very rare. I can think of Carson Palmer 10 years ago. It's very rare for someone like in their prime to be under contract and us having these conversations seriously. That is unusual, especially when they're playing well. Yeah, and I guess because it's unusual, it begs the question what the asking price is for something like this, right? I, I think back to when I was a kid, Ricky Williams getting traded to the Saints basically for everything they had, right? Like every pick in the cupboard is what they gave up to go get Ricky Williams. We haven't seen a team do something like that like Mike Ditka did. Is that what this would command to pry a guy like Deshaun Watson? Because you figure they hire a new GM and Nick Casario, he comes up and he's thinking, boy, I got a, a defense I can build around. I've certainly got a, a franchise quarterback to build around. What would the haul be for something like Deshaun Watson. An old adage is really the price is whatever you can get, right? And I think sometimes that's going to be higher than other times. For example, if they try to play hardball with him and this drags into the regular season and he then proves to them he's not going to go anywhere and and he's got him a little bit over a barrel, I think the price is probably lower than it is at this point in in the process where they don't really have to do anything with them. They're not going to miss games. And there are a bunch of teams that are going into the offseason planning, so they have a great deal of flexibility. Like, you could really come up with a plan for this now as opposed to in week seven next season. If your own quarterback is playing decently and you're in the quarterback, you're in the playoff race, it would be really hard to suddenly say we're trading four number ones for somebody who's going to come in who doesn't know our offense. You know what I mean? So I think there's kind of a couple different prices here. There's the off-season price where the Texans have options, and that could be, you know, three, four, number ones, whatever you could get, like take the biggest trade you've ever seen and add to it, right? Multiple suitors possibly being involved. Some complex angles to this because Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause. He could say, actually, I don't want to go to this team, right? Or I do want to go to this one. So there's a lot of kind of variables here and moving parts that make it hard to know exactly what will happen or how it will play out. But 
It's going to be a really big trade. If it were to happen now, you'd think it would be three number ones at least. And I feel like, you know, any team that's looking for a quarterback who has an aging quarterback or is a ways away from a young one, you got to sort of kick the tires on this thing, at least check on what the asking price would be. So, you know, we've heard, I'd say, about a third of the league mentioned, right? You figure the Niners, the Jets, the Saints, the Jags, the Broncos have been mentioned, the Dolphins have been mentioned, which seems like it would just be sort of crazy to move on from two of this quickly. But as far as, as a football standpoint goes, which team not just offers the best opportunity to win, but what team is the best fit for a guy like Deshaun Watson? Well, I don't think there is one that is the best fit. So when I look at trade partners, I was like, all right, if I'm Houston, I want to get a high enough pick that I could consider taking a quarterback to replace him, right? So the options there, Jacksonville is the first pick. I don't think they're going to trade. I think they'll go with Trevor Lawrence. Jets, I mean, certainly have a ton of picks. Don't know what the future is for Sam Darnold. New coach. You could see them having the ammo to do it. I think Miami at the third pick makes a lot of sense. I mean, Tua was okay. You, you still probably feel decently about him, but he wasn't amazing. You, you would certainly rather have Deshaun Watson than him from their standpoint. I think Atlanta is where Deshaun Watson's kind of you know from. I mean, wouldn't that be an exciting move for the Falcons? And they have the fourth pick. They could easily justify giving up that pick and more for somebody who would be the face of the franchise and give them a great bridge away from Matt Ryan, who's probably run his course there, right? I mean, they're probably not going to win a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan at this stage. So, I mean, just right there in the top four picks of the draft, there's ones you could make a case for. And you get lower than that, certainly, you know, Carolina, Denver, any of these teams. I sort of like Atlanta. I mean, if just to answer your question directly, that feels good to me from, a, hey, Watson might want to go there. He's from there. And then they have a high pick. And they could be looking for the next Matt Ryan, somebody who might be better than Matt Ryan. And the Texans would love to recoup a pick that high. They would have number three, right? But they gave it to uh, to Miami. So I think they'd love to get a pick back that high, as you mentioned. I think it's also tantalizing to think about Deshaun Watson in Atlanta throwing to Julio Jones. That could be a, a fun tandem there. He just had a number one get traded away to Arizona. So it could be good to have him with a big number one. There's another team, though, uh, that we were just kind of mentioning. And you mentioned Phillip Rivers. They're all of a sudden now in the market for a quarterback. Jacob Eason, the rookie, is going to be the only guy who's on their roster heading into next season. Hasn't even taken a snap at quarterback in the preseason what do you think about them and their quarterback market you mentioned Matt Ryan like if they were to go and get Deshaun Watson he could be out the Colts have like nearly 70 million dollars in cap room is that an option for a guy maybe they would take on another aging quarterback kind of in a gap year yeah you know I've had conversations with people in the league about that like okay there's there's two ways to look at this one is yeah because you might not have a better option right so really who's available to you determines to a large degree what you can get so you would say yes from that standpoint Really, though, realistically, do they want to go from old to old? At a certain point, if you're Chris Ballard and those guys, do you need to sort of identify somebody and go with them as the future? Are you just going to do a series of stopgap one to two year guys? I think ideally they would like to probably have someone younger they can go longer term. Is that someone in the draft? I don't know. Can they get him there? Are they in the market for a Sam Darnold? Do they have a really high grade for him? Could they say, hey, look, Sam Darnold was in a no-win situation. The Jets are the only team the last five years to have no Pro Bowl players on the offensive side of the ball. And they didn't really help him. It was a mess, too much pressure. He was hurt. Look, we'll put him behind this offensive line we have here. We can get him for you know, not that much compensation, and we'll give him a one-year spin with some upside for the long term, right? Maybe you do the fifth-year option on him. You got him for a couple years and 20-some million dollars for the whole time. That could be something that would be more palatable than getting a guy who's at the very end 
and you know he's just going to be there for a year or two, unless your evaluation of Matt Ryan is he has five years left and you really want to go with that. I just don't know if that's what you want to do. Doesn't move well, you know, is probably going to be declining. Isn't exciting at this point. I guess the tough thing about picking up that fifth-year option is you'd have to do it on Darnold before he played quarterback for you next season, right? You'd have to do it this offseason. Is that correct? Yeah, you'd pick up the fifth-year option, but it would become guaranteed only for injury in the next year. So what that means is if Sam Darnold were to, you know, unfortunately suffer a career-ending injury, they would be on the hook for the 20-whatever-million dollars in the 2022 season. But if they you know, had him for this year and exercised that option and then he just wasn't very good, they could cut him before the next season. They wouldn't have to pay it. So there's a little bit of flexibility there, right? That's why it's usually probably better to pick up those options unless the guy's really been hurt. It just gives you the flexibility in the future to keep him at a price that would be reasonable if he were a good player. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. It just seems so rare to have it happen with a quarterback, right? We see it with defensive players frequently or running backs, but just to have it happen with a quarterback is, is sort of strange, I guess, with a guy who was taken so high in the draft. But again, the quarterback stuff this offseason should be fun. Another thought just kind of on your way out here on Phillip Rivers, who announced his retirement earlier this week. Maybe Drew Brees is coming. I guess we're just kind of waiting to see. But Phil Rivers, I guess he does help the Colts out by announcing it this early. I don't know that they're going to jump around, like you said, to have aging quarterbacks year after year. But it's also sort of funny to look at the history of of quarterbacks and where guys stack up in the Hall of Fame. Phil Rivers finishes his career as a, a top 10 passer all time. He's up there with Eli Manning and Big Ben, but he doesn't have the, the Super Bowls. I know everybody's asking about whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. How do you grade quarterbacks, you think, from this generation? Do you do it up against other quarterbacks? Is it by Super Bowl victories? Is it purely statistics and what you've seen? Or what do you make of the legacy of Phillip Rivers? Yeah, I don't think there's necessarily one template that matches for everybody. That goes for coaches too, right? To me, head coaches and quarterbacks are sort of the ones where you do put an emphasis on championships or, you know, uh, team success because they drive so much of it. They're, they're disproportionately responsible for it, as opposed to you could be a great pass rusher and you could be the greatest pass rusher ever and never even make the playoffs, right? Because the rest of your team might not be good enough and you'd go right into the Hall of Fame with 200 sacks. I think for what's so fascinating about this situation with Rivers is he's linked with Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning. And I feel like he's better as a quarterback, certainly statistically, but he was a better quarterback than, than Eli Manning, in my opinion. And I think he was at least as good as Ben Roethlisberger, probably better a lot of the time. But... Those two guys, for various different reasons, won championships. And Eli Manning, in his defense, might have put up better numbers in a different system, right? They they were a defensive team that liked to run the ball, and he made big plays when called upon in the passing game. He did his part for them to be a championship team. If he had been in a Rivers-type situation, which, by the way, he didn't want to be, remember in the draft, he said, I'm not going to the Chargers. He knew what he was doing. He knew how hard it would be to win a Super Bowl or even have team success in that organization. I mean, that's a place that fired Marty Schottenheimer after a 14-2 year. I mean, there's a reason why they don't win. How much do we hold it against Rivers that he wasn't able to elevate them above that? I think it does factor in. I'm one of the Hall of Fame voters. I think I'll be a proponent for Philip Rivers. I would have a hard time saying that Eli Manning was a better quarterback than him and should go into the Hall of Fame and then not have Rivers go. I think it's going to be a debate, though. I mean, Jim Trotter, who is on the committee as well, works for NFL Network, is from San Diego, has covered the Chargers. He came out yesterday, this week, and said, I don't think so for Hall of Fame. So we're going to have a debate, right? We're going to have a debate. 
And there's some people who say, look, if you have to have a debate, then they're not a Hall of Famer. We put too many people in. That's what people in the league say. It's like they put too many in. It really should be only for the no-brainers. So it's a debate with Rivers. I don't think it's a sure thing at all, but I think he deserves strong consideration. I'm about it being inclusive. I think he belongs in. I'm with you. I always thought he was, a, at least skill-wise, a better quarterback than Eli Manning. But again, it's it's up for debate, so it remains to be seen. Final question for you here uh, on the way out, Mike. Just can't let you go without a thought on the 49ers quarterback situation. I love your QB tiers that you do every year, and we talked a lot about it in the preseason this year about Jimmy Garoppolo and, and where he stands. I'd imagine he would be lower in the QB tiers going into next season, but you have an opinion or a thought on where the Niners will go? Yeah, I think they'll go in that direction. I mean, I think you can certainly when you can't play in the games, that's hard to count on you. And I think that as big a driver as anything, you know, when they got Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, it was sort of a an opportunity that came along that they needed to take, but it wasn't like Kyle Shanahan's plan or dream to do. And I think you can kind of see this, like you notice like with Sean McVay, he's kind of been grumbling a little bit about Jared Goff. I think these are two head coaches that are not the GMs of their team, but really do drive the agendas, the personnel agendas of their teams and call the offenses and design the offenses. And I think ultimately both of those guys will have a say in who plays quarterback for the team long term. And right now, neither one of them has really driven that decision, I don't think. McVay inherited Goff. We'll see where that goes. And I think with Kyle Shanahan, he didn't inherit Jimmy Garoppolo, but I've just never felt that it was true love there. And so does he get that? Does he drive that this offseason? You could certainly see that happening. Yeah, it's tough when it's not true love, right? Then you're just sort of faking it. You're trying to <laughs> trying to figure it out. Get to I would know. Season. Happily married. You have to ask my wife, right? She's been yeah. she's been faking this this whole time to, you know, to put up with me. But uh, yeah, it is. I, I'm with you. I think you sort of know. Like the way they called the plays at the end of halftime in the Super Bowl was part of it. Just the way the coach talks about the player, and then the fact that he has missed so many games. That's what makes it easier, right? If you haven't ever played in the games, it's really easier to look for someone else. Mike, it's always a fun conversation, man. Start building those tiers, and I guess we'll probably call you sometime in July or August, whenever you put that <laughs> thing out, and we'll get talking about the quarterbacks for next season, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, and we'll see who that is under center for uh, the 49ers. Mike Sando, always fantastic with his breakdowns of the quarterbacks across the NFL. Yeah, his QB tiers, if you remember back to July, or maybe August when we first talked to him about where quarterbacks were stacking up, and then we checked back in with him on Matt Stafford a couple of months ago, and now there's a whole bunch of other teams looking at quarterbacks, and the Colts won. If you're a 49er fan, maybe one to follow, because again, some of those veteran quarterbacks have been tied to Indianapolis. Some of those guys that the 49ers may be interested in this offseason. Thank you to Mike, thank you to Brian, and thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is that you're listening. On Monday, we'll dive back into some baseball. A guy who knows a little bit about baseball, former big leaguer Kevin Franz, and he's, of course, the color commentator for the Philadelphia Phillies on their radio broadcast team. And the Giants are somewhat active in the free agent market. Alex Wood was signed last week, Kurt Casale, a few weeks ago, but we'll see if they're interested in anything else this offseason before spring training gets going maybe in February. Everybody enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the football on Sunday. We'll talk to you with Kevin Franzen on Monday.